My guest today is a woman that I met several years ago at the California Irrigation Institute conference, and she is the the most awesome Brittany app. And you know, if you want credentials for somebody, Chris Austin just um, said earlier that Brittany is one of her favorite people. So, um, Brittany, you are in good company and uh, um, well respected, and we're happy to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Ah, uh, thank you. Well, uh, Brittany, I know that our main topic today will be about a film that you have um, coming up. It's been previewed, I understand, um, but it hasn't been released yet. Uh, the film is Where There Was Once Water, or Where There Once Was Water, excuse me. So our listening audience will want to watch out for that. But we'll be talking about a number of other things that you've been doing as well. So um, we'll just dive right into that and... Um, uh, first of all, let our let our listening audience uh, know a little bit more about you, Brittany. Oh my goodness! Um, I I will start I will start off with a little bit of bio and just basically describe you as you're, you're a storyteller and um, you know by profession you're a photographer and now a documentary filmmaker. But uh, you tell great stories and photography is is the business. Um, it's based in San Luis Obispo, kind of otherwise known as home of uh, Cal Poly for us Aggies, um, and you serve clients locally and travel throughout California, nationally and internationally for work, and, you know, you specialize in lifestyle, landscape photography, marketing, commercial photography, tourism campaigns, events, weddings, and portraits, but you've also been very curious and eager to collaborate and co-create a healthy, happy world in which there is room for everyone, which is a really... Um, cool thing to do in view of what we just discussed about the acrimonious situation in California water. Yeah. Uh, Brittany, it sounds like you have photographed in over 27 countries. That's amazing. You've sailed around the world twice as the shipboard photographer for a semester at sea. You've pedaled a bicycle across the United States to raise money for water aid. you shaved your head. you fractured a rib. you hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And mm-hmm. you've even received awards for all of your images. And as I mentioned earlier, your most fulfilling project, in your own words, of your career yet has been the production of your first feature-length documentary film titled Where There Once Was Water. So, Brittany, tell us about how you got into this water world um, after a career in photography. Yeah, um... Thank you so much again for having me. It's an honor to be here and, and especially to follow the likes of Chris Austin. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'll, I'll do my best to go with the cliff notes and um, turning long stories into cliff notes is not necessarily my specialty, but I, I, will, I will go for it. Um, I've been working as a photographer and now primarily a commercial photographer since 2001. And at, on my first voyage with Semester at Sea, which was in 2008, um, I was hired on as the shipboard photographer, um, primarily to tell the story of the students as they sailed and the different work that the students were doing in port, in country. Uh, A lot of the work they do is with Habitat for Humanity or other volunteer-oriented programs and projects. As a photographer, I got to go along and document these activities as they happened. And that was really my first experience with a deep dive 
life is really like in a third world country. Mm. I, I knew, you know, I, I, I knew that people lived without water. I knew that people lived without proper shelter, but I had never seen it and felt it and smelled it and been in it like I was, you know, in India or in Ghana, or in the Amazon. And um, there was a particularly powerful moment when we were in um, a small town in the south of India. We were finishing up a homestay. We were all on a bus heading back to the ship. And I looked out the window, and there was a woman, my, my mother's age, who was squatting down in the dirt road and doing her family's laundry in a puddle on oh, the street. And seeing that on top of everything else that I had had seen and absorbed over the past two days and weeks was that was it. I just, um, you know, in a way, it, it broke me, and it also broke me wide open. Um, oh, yeah. And and even to this day, I get emotional thinking about it. You can hear it in my voice. But I came home from that semester. And I felt like I couldn't even live my life. You know, I was sitting on the back porch of my brother's house, drinking a glass of wine. I had just had a nice shower, and I, I thought, who am I? Who am I to shower in more fresh water than that woman or those little girls will ever get to see in their life? And it was in that moment that I decided I needed to do something, but I didn't quite know what that something would be. Um, and so that was really the... The, the light switch moment for me, and eventually, you know, I first I chose to do a. Uh, this will lead into to something else we'll end up talking about. But first, I chose, you know, I bet if I did something here to raise money, and I chose a group that's working in global water access, I could donate the money, and that's how I could do the most good. Just for right now, just to kind of start and do something. So I chose to run a half marathon. I thought maybe I could raise a thousand bucks. I used to be a runner back in high school, so it was like, hey, well, we could do this. I could do a half marathon. And I ended up raising $2,500, and I thought, well, that's just crazy. All I did was run 13 miles. There was, you know, 2,000 other people also running 13 miles that day. What if I did something that was actually crazy? Probably raise a lot of money. And it was in that moment I decided, uh, after doing the half marathon, I decided, I don't know, maybe I'll just... Maybe I'll just ride a bicycle across the United States. That was pretty <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so that, so uh, that's it. That, so then no. I did that. And, uh, and that's how I got into water. Um, and it, it really has been my passion ever since because really we can't, we cannot do life without access to clean water. Yeah, there there is absolutely no life without water. We think that we need all these other things, but boy, if the water faucet doesn't work, um, that's the number th- number one thing I would want working in the house. Um, even yeah. with the light switch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so that's a great intro. I'm sure that's piqued everybody's interest. Let's break here quickly <laughs> to a, a a quick commercial, and then we'll come back to more about your film where there once was water. Sounds great. <laughs>
Welcome back to The Water Zone. This is your host, Ingie Biscogner, with The Water Zone Ag Podcast. And my guest um, this segment is Brittany Amp, a photographer and filmmaker. Welcome back to the show, Brittany. Thank you. You know, Chris Austin, our previous guest of Maven's Notebook, was just uh, giving you accolades about the great images that you make. So before we get to the film, tell us a little bit about what's involved in creating really beautiful, cool images of food production and consumption, since this is the Water Zone Agricultural Podcast. Because I know that you work in the agricultural space, and I would bet that where there was water, the film has a lot of agriculture in it as well. So tell us about uh, uh, you know photographing the agricultural space and how it might be different from some of the other topics you photograph. Yeah, that's great, and you are correct on both accounts. Um, I do a lot of photography work in the agricultural space, and actually a lot of work with the lovely folks at Cal Poly, and they're specifically in the College of, of Ag. And um, and yes, my film is very much about agriculture, it turns out. We'll come back to that, but I, I set out to make a film about water, very much <laughs> a film about water and soil, um, which has been a fascinating um experience for me in a lot of ways. It, when it comes to photography in the agriculture space, I'm going to admit that it is one of my favorite things to photograph. Um, and I'm not saying that just because of our audience. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times people ask me like, hey, what, you know, you photograph so many different things. What's your favorite thing to shoot? And it's hard to answer because I do have a, you know, a, a an array of subject matter that I photograph. And really when I'm out in the landscape, um, I'm photographing wildflowers or I'm on a farm or I'm a cattle rancher. Like those are my favorite, those are my favorite times. Um, But when I'm telling human interest stories around water, um, it, it feels very real. I love to be outside and I'm always learning things. Anytime I'm on a farm, anytime I'm on a ranch, and it doesn't matter what what kind or what size, um, my brain explodes by the end of the day. I've just gleaned so much insight and information from what I have been photographing that I, I feel like it's this beautiful exchange of, you know, I'm there to tell the story, whether it's in a marketing sense or an editorial sense, but I'm I'm learning just as much, if not more, than, than how I have shown up to serve. So it's just a really cool exchange, and I, I'm, uh, I have endless amounts of curiosity, and so when things are a little bit different every day and I, I'm learning on the job, I really am very well-fed as a human. You know, I think uh, maybe part of the fascination is that most people don't have access to agriculture in their everyday mm-hmm. life and mm-hmm. even though even though I grew up with it and you know in a farming family I'm like you I'm still fascinated every time I'm on the farm I learn something new uh, I just love you know seeing food grow and the soil and the air and the water and the whole thing you know is just yeah uh, and in our in our current challenge with the virus and you know basically segmenting society by what's essential and what is quote unquote non-essential I mean, we know every day that, yeah, food is really, really essential. And I can imagine that when you're out there 
you know, with those farmers and bringing that story to others, that that must be really fulfilling. It really is. And honestly, I think, you know, tied into what you were saying, so many of us don't actually really understand where our food comes from. And there are so many links in that chain nowadays with how many humans there are here on the planet. Food can be grown one place, shipped to another place, processed, shipped to another place, and then it, you know, goes to a store and then lands in our hands. I mean, that's crazy. Or you could walk out your backyard and, and pick it from your garden, but or anything in between. So, so many of us don't get the opportunity, first of all, to, to be on a farm or near a farm, but then also just we've kind of lost that, I think. Um, I grew up on a very small family farm, so we get to have a garden and we raise sheep and pigs and chickens and got a little bit of that in my in my blood already but it's just fascinating really the more I learn about where our food comes from and what it really takes to get it to our plate um, the more grateful I am for everyone who's a part of that process yeah you know Western Growers has a great quote it goes something like this uh, Western Growers the organization it's something mm-hmm. like um, no, at no time in history have people been more interested and where their food comes from uh, at the same time that people are so disconnected from where their food comes from. <laughs> you know, those, yeah. those two yeah. things are happening at the same time. It's kind of wild. Well, tell us about your film, um, uh, Where There Once Was Water. Where where, um, where did the idea come from? Uh, where are you at in production? What is, what's it about? And when can we all see it? Oh, these are such good questions. <laughs> um, so it is a, uh, first and foremost, it's a passion project. It has been, from the very beginning, something that I just felt stars um, to create. And where did it come from? Okay, the first spark was in 2014. All of us Californians know how much water there wasn't in no. 2014. And I was sitting on my front porch at the time, and I looked across the street, and my neighbor was in his driveway, power washing his boat. <laughs> and I just, I, I just can't. I can't anymore with this. I, there's got to be, I'm a storyteller. How can I help? Because there's clearly a disconnect. You know, that was my moment where I thought, okay, <sighs> all of the lakes are drying up, and my neighbor is power washing his boat. I mean, the irony on so many levels here. So yeah, yeah. I I started a photography project called Where There Once Was Water, and I thought, I'll travel around the state. I will photograph these disappearing bodies of water, whether they are natural or man-made. And turns out that was a rather apocalyptic photography series that became that way very quickly. But that's kind of how it started. I thought, you know, if I can show people um, what is happening, maybe it'll you know, maybe more of us will wake up to what is happening and, and the changes we can make in our lives to, to kind of assist in this current situation. So it's, yeah. it started as a photo project. And a few months into it, I got to this roadblock where I was scratching my head and asking myself how exactly I was going to photograph disappearing groundwater. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I really didn't know. And I thought, you know, maybe we need to talk about that, because I really don't know how I'm going to photograph that. 
Oh. Yeah, well, I guess you could you could show a farmer turning on the pump and look at the sandpipe. There's no water coming out of it, but yeah, yeah. True. Just tell the story. True. <laughs> See, I didn't know you soon enough, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would. I, I still think it, that would have been difficult to convey. Just that. Image. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that's uninteresting. It's a um, pipe with no water coming out of it. <laughs> right. Should there be water? Has he not turned it on yet? What is going yeah. on? Yeah, so right. that's when it became a film, or when it when I when I started to look at it as the idea of a film, and I thought, you know, this is a this is a much more complex issue than I realized at the time, and that, that most of us, you know, realized, and still even I'm I'm trying to comprehend the magnitude of the issue. But um, I decided, in true Britney fashion, well, I'll do a Kickstarter, and if the Kickstarter is then I'll make a film. I've never made a film, but I'll figure it out. And so I did Kickstarter, and it was wildly successful. And at the end of Kickstarter, I went, okay, wow, well, I guess I'm making a film. Uh, well, that'll this will be a ride. <laughs> so here we are, um, quite a few years later, obviously, and happy to report on the home stretch. Uh, my editor and I are currently sending notes back and forth on what we, I, I believe, can call a fine draft of the film. Um, we're filling in all the little missing gaps with footage, and we're about ready to start doing, you know, the final soundtrack and the color correction. And it's a very exciting time. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and there have literally been hundreds of people who have donated money along the way make it happen uh, um, which is just amazing I would not be able to do any of this work without you know five or six hundred people who have donated anything from five dollars to a thousand dollars over the course of the past few years to bring this story to life so my gratitude is huge um, to all of them well for sure and yeah would you would you say that the majority of the film is about People in water, or farming in water, or industry in water, or all of the above? Yeah, it's, um, gosh, it's a really big topic that I chose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> water. <laughs> I don't know, much more expansive a topic than water. So um, I did have to narrow it down. So I'm, I'm focusing the scope of the film on California, and it's a solutions-oriented uh, film. I feel like there's plenty of doom and gloom environmental documentaries out there. And so I really wanted to focus on, you know, we've got this problem. We need to eat. We need to grow food. Um, Doing so uses a lot of water. So how do we keep feeding ourselves in a changing climate? Um, what, What can we do? What is working? What solutions are already out there? that agriculturalists and farmers and ranchers are already implementing on their land that is really working. And it was so cool to hear Chris Austin mention the soil because that is where it's at. And I'm goosebumps right now. And I'm not a scientist, and I'm now so excited about soil. It's hilarious. Um, But it's amazing. Potential... The potential for growing living soils and then the ability of those living soils to hold water and to 
short carbon. I mean, it's just the potential is off the charts, and the work of a lot of these farmers and ranchers is so incredibly inspiring, and it really feels like a tremendous honor to be able to tell, you know, tell their story and share their story in a film about water that I, that I do help, hope will be um, helpful for all of us in some, in some way, you know? Oh, I, I'm sure it will. It sounds like it's very educational uh, as well as inspiring. It, it, is there, do you cover the topic of, um, of people's, uh, you know, behavior or eating habits? Um, I do, yeah. And it's possibly changing in addition to how our food is grown. So there's, you know, there's one aspect of how we grow our food, but there's also how we eat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you know the work of Florencia Ramirez? Yes, I've heard that name. So she wrote a book recently called Eat Less Water, and she is one of the final interviews in my film, and she's just brilliant and her work specifically focuses on us as individuals how do we quote less water based on what foods we are buying what foods we are cooking how we are cooking them using our leftovers you know going to the farmer's market um and sourcing from farmers who are farming in a way that grows the soil all of the pieces so there is absolutely that piece in my film and there's also the piece about um, you know, these are all biological solutions in a way that we've been talking about, but the film is also about technological solutions because also, as Chris Austin had just mentioned, a lot of work in Southern California has been really inspiring and incredible using technology to clean up water, reuse water, like the San Gabriel Basin, cleaning up the, the polluted groundwater and serving it to customers or you've got Orange County with a recycled water program. Um, there's, you know, it's different watershed by watershed. So what works in Orange County is not going to work in Modoc County, right? Right, right. Um, yep. And so that's a big part of the message in the film, too, is we, we really need to focus on solutions that work in each watershed because every watershed is different and different things will work in different places. Um and then, yeah, I think I try to wrap up the film by inspiring individuals uh, that the choices we make really do matter and really do have a tremendous ripple effect. And um, I want the film to be hopeful. I want us to feel, you know, supercharged in a way to really make a difference for our water, for our food, for our communities, for our soil. And, and ultimately for our planet and ourselves and each other. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I love that because there are solutions out there, and if we just focus on the negative, nothing good is ever going to happen. So we need to focus on there are so many good things happening. We had a guest um, a few months ago from uh, NAXA. That's a, uh, I can't remember what the acronym is exactly, but it's an organization promoting something that you just said, uh, making farming um, carbon neutral or even a carbon mm. Think you know we currently mm-hmm. view agriculture as a um, source of you know carbon and and part of the you know the problems with climate change and global warming and such and it actually if we farmed a little differently it could be a carbon sink and I I think that someday we'll be paying farmers to sequester carbon 
Yeah, oh, I hope so. Pay, just as we pay industries to clean up their smokestacks. Yep. Absolutely. Very possible. I want yeah, to- so there's, and it doesn't mean that everybody has to become a vegan overnight or, you know, just buy organic food or just go to the farmer's market. I think if everybody had very small incremental changes that yeah. we could do a lot of good. Um, yeah, and honestly, some of the some of these ranches doing the most impressive, you know, soil regeneration and quote unquote carbon farming, where they're getting carbon back into the soil, they are yeah. they are ranchers who are raising grass fed beef yeah, for yeah. human consumption. So I'll eat that absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now the water footprint the planet all at the same time, um, and yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there's such a different resource footprint from different ways of, as you say, producing just even one commodity, beef, or, you mm-hmm. know, uh, or look at all the different types of, of hamburger you can buy now, you know, right, like right. plant-based <laughs> right. and beef-based and grass-fed, beef, you know, all of them have a little different. And ultimately, the consumer has to decide what they want, and that influences mm-hmm. what the producer will produce. So, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. one, one big happy circle. Well, I am really excited to see the film. When will it be out? You know, I'm I'm hoping, <laughs> and I say that in a hopeful, uh, giggly manner, because the date has changed a few times. But I am yeah. hoping that we can wrap it. I can hope. I'm hoping we can wrap it this year and release it to the world next year. Awesome. Um, it, it's, the film festival that I've been a part of past few years here in San Francisco, the San Francisco International Film Fest, the whole thing was canceled this year because of coronavirus. Sure. Sure. So it's hard to know what the next year or two looks like for any of us, um, but especially for those of us who work in the event space. And so I know a lot of film festivals are moving online. Um, you know, I, I want to release this film to the film festival circuit. And I don't really know what that's going to look like, um, you know, next year or this year or the year after. So we'll, we'll right. see. But I yeah. know that it is time, and I know that this message is, is uh, well, I, I feel that this message is an important message for the world right now. So if we need to be creative in the way that we release it, well, then, hey, it, it's good to be a creative person, right? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what we do. We, <laughs> we figure out ways to do things that are, that are different. I think we've all been figuring out how to do things differently for the last six weeks in a lot of right? ways that we never thought we would have. So we'll, we'll figure out a way to get to see where there once was water, uh, whether we it's online or, you know, local theater, hopefully uh, with social distancing, who knows? Uh, right. And those sorts of things right. will be available. Um, well, great. I, I will uh, ask you at the end for maybe a website uh, link that people huh. can go to. But before that, you just mentioned the virus, and I know that um, you've done an incredible job just creating a, a, a coronavirus um, pandemic uh, resource page for people to go to. I remember getting it uh, in an email, and I sent it to my nieces and nephews because they were trying to figure out how to do homeschooling overnight. Oh, <laughs> and, and you have yeah. some great resources in there for homeschooling. So how did that come about? Well, um, I... You know, what a wild ride this has been, right? And we are all we are all together in a very separate sort of way. 
And I literally closed escrow on the 13th of March on a little off-grid tiny home out in the middle of the Creso Plains. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then we got told to shelter at home on the 17th or the 18th or something. Yeah. So I was out here nice. with no furniture. <laughs> oh, my with goodness. With a camp chair in the living room. And, and now we've all been told to shelter at home, and there's all this information flying around. And I was just kind of watching it all you know, blow up in a way on social media. And I thought, how does a person keep any of this straight? I mean, kids are now being homeschooled. We're being told to work at home. All my events are getting canceled. I can't even go furniture shopping. You know, I mean, (laughs) all of the big things to all of the little things and everything in between. And my brain works in a way that I like to take all of this info and organize it and make it pretty and present it to people. That's, that's part of what I do as a filmmaker, as a photographer, as a storyteller. And I thought, you know, I could do something here that would maybe be helpful. And I think it, it was. was. It, I it think actually was. It's a beautiful website. And, <laughs> you know, of all the information flying around and the disinformation, even worse, your website is awesome. People should go to it as soon as this interview is over. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you're a sweetheart. Thank you. Yeah, and I just thought, you know, some people are, are needing to apply for unemployment. Some people are trying to teach their kids at home. Some people are now trying to cook sourdough bread. Some people want to plant a garden. Like, so I just put all of these resources in one place, and uh, and it keeps growing. I, I update it just about every week. So, um, so and then also, like how, said, to, how, to, how to buy furniture online? So you're, uh, well, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> we probably all know how to do that already. But, uh, yeah, and just some good, trustworthy sources for, for the news about coronavirus because there's just so much swirling around. So, yeah, it's been a fun project, and I've gotten a lot of feedback that it's genuinely been helpful for people. So that, that feels really good. Yeah, no, I um, big kudos to the effort you made there, uh, a really, really it's, a, it's a public service, and I thank you for it. So uh, I can't think of a better time to uh, have you tell us how do we learn more about your film and how do we access your website on the, uh, on the uh, virus? Yeah, so everything is all in one place, and really the best way to reach me, the best way to find out about the film, and then also to find the resource page for COVID, it's all on my website, which is where there once was water.com. And if you specifically want to go directly to the resource page, it is where there once was water.com slash COVID 19, COVID 19, I should say. So you can contact me through the website. You can learn more about the film through the website. You can find the COVID resource page um, through the website. And I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram these days, so if that's um, a space you like to hang out in, you can find me there under my name, which is Brittany App, C-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-A-P-P. I can make all sorts of corny jokes about how there's an app for everything, but yes, that <laughs> is actually my last name. Um, so yeah, I would say the website, which is where there was water.com. Um, or just for fun, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm raising some ducklings. They have been my quarantine buddies. And so that is a lot of my Instagram content right now. It's the cute little uh, pack of ducklings that I'm raising. Oh, my goodness. What a time <laughs> to be 
out in the middle of nowhere with no furniture and a bunch of ducks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sounds well, like I fun. I hope, I, I, hope have to, I hope you have a duck pond so for little, Just a little bit of water. Yeah. <laughs> Brittany, with the last minute or so that we have left, um, I want to give you the opportunity to maybe shed some light on a couple of quotes that you have on your website. Mm. Yeah. One of them is from Harold Whitman, and another is from um, Cynthia Bricks. Um, mm. Cynthia said, the shortest distance between a human and the truth is a story. Mm-hmm. And, um, Amen to that. Said, yeah, Harold Whitman said, don't ask yourself what the world needs, ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go do that. Because that's what the world needs, people who come alive. And it almost sounds almost like a Kennedy type of quote. Yeah. So, um, we have about well, one minute. One... Just tell us how that's inspired you. Yeah, that one just gave me goosebumps, so we'll go with that one. Um, okay. I, I think especially right now, this time, this shelter at home, uh, you know, we're all staying at home literally to protect each other. And I think it's an opportunity to pause and some of the hard work going, you know, within ourselves and asking what what really brings me to life. What, what really matters? What really matters? <laughs> yeah, what really matters? What really lights me up? What really makes me feel like a, like a human and a force for good in my community? And we can all ask ourselves that right now and, you know, take steps towards making that a reality. Oh, Brittany, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and we can't wait to see your film. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.